Hey folks, we had a great time talking about Elizabeth Taylor. If you want to skip past our usual topic talk, it's short this time, you might want to head to minute mm, 19 or so. Thanks. Take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies. Put them in a room and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. All right. Welcome to The Finleys on Film. Joseph, how are you doing today, sir? Good. I notice that whenever you take the lead, you have, you do a, a, a like a formal introduction. I like that about you, Tom. It's like a kind of a I don't know a throwback. Gentlemen of the old school, I am, sir. Good good day, everyone. And Joseph, how are you? Like you do a whole absolutely. That's fine. No, that's interesting. It Bonjour, no. Says a lot about you, man. Go ahead. Um, it probably does. Yeah. yeah. I'm a creature of the old school, like mm-hmm. I say, like as I like to admit to being. Okay, yep. enough of that nonsense. Enough of my bragging. Welcome, sir. We were. Huh. Uh, we were talking. I know. I just had this last weekend. I spent in uh, in uh, the glorious city by the bay, San Francisco. Had some good times and uh, got to uh, got to uh, partake of some Phil's coffee, which is a religious experience for me. So that's always fucking. What beautiful. is Phil's coffee? That's just this place that makes you know like one, like one cup at a time coffee. I know, but it was the first in the country to do this. No, that's all right. And they I mean, make it's... a really bad. It's just the best coffee. The the way they blend their coffee is just tastes delicious. Does to it me. do like that that glass um, sort of? Filter, not, not filter itself, but the glass filter holder. Yeah, yeah. Each in, individual, it's, 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 it's wrapped in yeah. like a leather thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they really are. It's, it's really pretentious and it's quite frankly expensive, but it's just one of those rare cases where pretentious and expensive come together and are actually fucking worth it just by the product. I had a moment this week, by the way, not to divert from your story, but uh, <laughs> I where I got to work at seven mm-hmm. and I was out of coffee ponds and I, I, was, I actually knocked on an office. Uh, next door. Governor, do you have a coffee? Yeah, pod? and I thought, oh no! I've always sort of mocked those people, like I can't start the day without coffee. <laughs> Fuck off! But I sort of felt that way, and I was like, eh, maybe I should stop drinking coffee. That's sort of silly. Like well, I can't start my day without give coffee. Give into the dork. give into the addiction a little bit, there, oh, yeah. Joseph. Enjoy it. But go ahead. Think of it. Think of it as your last gasp for a naked lunch uh, for naked lunchhood, there, man. Okay, go living, ahead. Living the life on the edge. Anyways, okay, yes. Yeah, so oh, oh, that. So, okay, anyway, I was yeah. in San Francisco. Uh, largely, I actually was there to do a couple of se- a couple of sets at the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went down to the show, and I swear to God, this is the first time I really sort of felt my age in a comedy context. Now, set the stage. This is like deep tenderloin. Like it couldn't get. There's no more tenderloin a, 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 um, a corner than Hyde and Turk. What does that mean to have everyone, like, 99.9% of the world? Uh, the, the place where you, like, when you step in something and you go, oh, please be dog shit. That's mm-hmm. how I often describe it in my act. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's just the shithole dangerous neighborhood in San Francisco. So, yep. to get to the club, you actually have to play, like, multiple felony, you know, like, uh, hopscotch to get over, like, a oh, homeless guy, homeless guy, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, to get into this place, and to get into this place... And it's like, it's a cool little spot. It's kind of a little bit comedy celebration in that it's downstairs, it's mm. under a bar, so it's mm. kind of got a cool vibe to it. Uh, the seating is not a uh, standard issue. Meaning? Not, not traditional. I mean, a lot of couches in the back and oh, got it. a lot of seats up front. It's, how does that affect, by of, the way, as, as, a, as a comedian, how does, how does that, um, I, I know a lot of people, like Brewer accepted, of course, because of the content of his act. A lot of comedians really despise club owners' attempts to do like rocks, rock concert style, general standing to pack more people in. Like, how does the setup of the room affect your comedy, or does oh, it? Oh, the setup of the room is is hugely important to stand up comedy. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, rule number one is the the closer you physically are to the audience, the better it is. There's just something about the energy feedback loop that that occurs there. Like if you could be all but standing on their table, that's nope. that first row. That's that's the best, absolutely. And so this was kind of had that quality of being an intimate space, you know, non traditional seating. Um, and I was older than everybody there, and this is the first time I sort of noticed this phenomenon. I was older than the other comics. Yeah, I was older than the audience. I was older than the fucking guy taking the tickets and the bartender. Uh-huh. It's a little bit weird. I was and and I was doing material that I had been doing. Um, uh, amongst which I was doing material about like how, how expensive you know San Francisco was to live in, 
Uh, and I guess in the time since I've been here, three years, uh, that's become sort since of a hack premise in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of yeah, so, immediate, uh, God, like 80s it. observational just comedy. It never fucking occurred to me that <laughs> this thing that drove me out of the goddamn city is like yeah. is is now kind of a hack premise there. It's like, oh, fuck. That seems like a hack premise in general, like how much things cost, right? I mean, that seems like an avoidable comedic premise, like the, the cost of things, right? It's Because it's highly obser- uh, observational. What is it like saying, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, death is uh, death is a highly observational thing, but like you find yourself in, you know, Adolf uh, Hitler's Nazi no, Germany, no, no, there's no. a little bit of but a difference death there, is, isn't it? death is not the same thing as like the, the rising Do you, you understand of... where I was going with what I was saying there? Maybe not. Go ahead. I'm saying, I'm saying when you're in, when you're in a worst case scenario of, of cost of living, yep. changing the landscape out from under you, I don't know. I, I don't know that it is necessarily. My personal theory yep. is, is if you can get away with, if you can find something in, like a, like a new angle on something, nothing's really hack. Yeah, um, oh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're I just, right. I just think that you're since, right. I mean, since I had been there, it had been done so much that I wasn't that wasn't that original what I was saying. Well, that's anymore, the question. So. so it's like, I mean, like that you put a good point on it there. Like, um, if there's a, a, a joke about like airplane food, seems hack, but but. Certainly, somebody puts new. There's a new spin on the airplane yeah, experience, sure. right. right? What mm-hmm. was your spin? Oh fuck! Uh, just, just no. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to do the jokes. No, no. I, I, yeah, that's no, the worst thing. Like, do your act right now. Yeah, I don't yeah, mean no. that. I mean, did, did you? Did you? Um, did you leave feeling like you learned? Like, you know what? That actually was a hack premise. Or did you feel like it wasn't a oh, hack no. premise, but the audience had been so hackified that they they couldn't. Yeah, exactly. And then ultimately, they're the people that I answer to in that situation. Yeah, I mean, they're still the audience, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, so, okay, so so it falls into the category, ultimately, of lesson learned. Oh, okay, so that's not really going to fly here in the epicenter of the situation yeah. anymore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, in, people everywhere else in the country still think it's hilarious, but not here. And so, okay, I get that. Um, but, yeah, so it was just like I said, it was a little bit, a little bit of a learning experience. I haven't felt that old. I think I came this close to being actually sort of mocked by another comic for doing a hack premise. For doing a hack premise. Yeah, somebody went up uh, after me and said, well, I don't really have anything about uh, how expensive it is in San Francisco. Ooh. So I'm like, oh, motherfucker. To, I just wanted to rush the stage at that point. To what point is that choke acceptable? choke a little shit I mean, there's a little bit of, it's kind of funny to hear about it, but if you're, you're the person it's being done to, I, I imagine it's, uh, well, you actually ain't mad at the guy? No, but there was part of me that didn't want to choke the fucking bastard <laughs> out. Like, for sure. No. <laughs> Not mad, because he was right. He, you know, it was funny that, it was funny what he said, but I was like, yeah. motherfucker. You know? So, <laughs> son of a bitch. That was, that was for me to take home and be ashamed on my own without it having been underlined. Yet. You know, the other thing is this. It's it's um, local humor is, is a tough one. And I think uh, that you can get away with even even like when I hear like old Greg Giraldo and he's doing stuff on New York. You know the thing about New York City? I sort of feel like, yeah, I mean, New York City... It's the size of a city that almost is exceptional because New York City has like a a, a mythology to it. Like it's part of the cultural Mm -hmm. consciousness, right? Uh, It's like saying London or something like that. But it's barely slips under the radar to make a a reference about a city because you're almost sort of demanding that your audience is only going to be there. You can't take that anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, what can you or reverse it? Like you live in Fresno now, right? So can you take Fresno humor to Los Angeles? I mean, only, yeah, yeah, right. Only as a sort of punching down thing, I, I suppose, but it has to be vague, right? Yeah, if if you're working with something that's you know significantly universal, then you can get yeah. away with that. But if it, yeah, if it is sort of hyper specific to the locality, you're you're taking your life in your own hands on that. Yeah, I think you know. But then again, I'm also of the opinion, you know, I'm also of the school is if you're willing to work hard enough at a premise, you can get your punchline across, and it will work. Yeah, I guess you just so. might have to put in a little extra work. I mean, in the front. It, yeah, there's a lot of freshness that has to be infused in in some of these. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure how how fresh I am anymore. <laughs> well, it's tough. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think you Sucks. probably have I'm to be almost fifty writing on a on a fairly consistent basis, right? Mm, I guess. Well, anyway, good that, luck. Enough of my triumphs. Well, I, you know, was, that uh, I was that kind of reminds me of um, something I was thinking about. I read recently that. Um, before in South Africa, before apartheid, um, there was the whites knew what was coming down. Finally, uh-huh. like De Klerk was in his land, Mandela was going to come in. De Klerk was De Klerk yeah. was like a reasonable, like white whitey who was going to hand it over to yeah. Mandela. The white population had been living in a fucking dreamland, meaning like there's 10% of them ruling viciously over 90% of the population. How long did they think that was going to last? 
and there were a lot of deals were sort of cut mm-hmm. and the uh, right before Mandela came in it was like deals to sort of like satisfy the apartheid crowd and there's a whole wine industry in South Africa apparently it's like you know one of the places people mention when they know a lot about wine yeah yeah South Africa is supposedly pretty big right well okay. it's it's all white landowners who who had made these deals especially with the vineyards before um, Mandela came in and so basically you had dispossessed people i mean south africa apartheid's gone just like slavery is gone. It's a, it's a good parallel. Yeah. Slavery has gone in America, <laughs> but most of the poverty is still directed yeah. at non-white people. Right, of course. And the same in South Africa. It's like, great, apartheid's gone, and most of us live in shit. Right. So Literally. Yeah, so there's a sort of... Um, South African slums are not awesome. An understandable, yeah. An understandable. Except as slums, they're fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, right, the, the Zagat slum guy, <laughs> they, they, or the Michelin slum guy. Um, so... Um, this is some some clear and reasonable bitterness, and so um, there's been a movement to retake the vineyard lands uh-huh. um, by by the I guess we'd say quote unquote indigenous black population, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know there's a loophole in the law, and it's like the black population has found this absurd like <laughs> 19th century law that if you squat on a on land for more than 48 hours and aren't physically run out. You get to stay. Shut up. So forty-eight hours. That's all it takes. But but that means like like there are bulldozers coming bad. your way. No, that's a lot when people are like coming at you with guns. <laughs> you fucking sneak into it. Well, that's what happened. Yeah. So they snuck in. So they got like fourteen hours worth by sneaking in there in the middle of the night, right? Okay. Before the, the the white vineyard was like, what the hell? I don't remember those plants being there. It's yeah. Just a family. Well, there are like vineyard wow. owners that have now. They look out on the property and there are like sixteen hundred shacks. 1,600 families on their property who've lived there more than 48 hours. And so the two things have to happen. The white guys are like, fuck. Like they're like duped by the law. Yep. And, and the black indigenous people are like, we made it. Now what? Now what? <laughs> Let's eat all these grapes. <laughs> so take like, the fuck out of some grapes for 48 hours. So I'm giving oh you my. material for your act, I guess, basically. Oh, you can right. you can make a, like some sort of comparison to the, the cost of living in San Francisco. Well, that's, what with the gold. that's what happened with the California gold rush. The same fucking thing happened. The guy what found mean? the gold on his land and like, I'm going to get rich off this. And everybody else heard about it. And they yep. squatted on his fucking land and took it that <laughs> way. It was, he got, the guy who was Sutter who got... Who discovered the gold? Supposedly, he got, he got almost nothing out of it. In fact, he lost all of his land as a result of it. Yeah. So yeah, wow, well, oh, that's fucking interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Now, oh, you know what I did see? I finally saw Fire Island. Did oh, we talk the, about how far did we get into talking? We about talked that? a lot about it, but I'd still God, like to hear your reaction damn. about it. Yeah, isn't that crazy? What a shit show! Just to remind wow. our uh, sixteen listeners, there's a. Uh, a, uh, a documentary on Netflix about, or other places about, this, the fucking shitty, uh, entitled just, rich kid uh, who, who decided to do this um, music festival in a, a Bahamian island. Yeah, in an abandoned island. Uh, it was Pablo Escobar's old island first. At first, and then it turns out the reason that, yeah, you can... And Ja Rule, the rapper, who, by the way... The second, now, who walked away with it with nothing. By the way, since we talked about that, Ja Rule has, is now sponsoring a new music festival. <laughs> I, I swear that. to God. <laughs> <laughs> the balls it takes to be a rapper in the first place, right? I guess I don't so, know. yeah. I was watching this thing, and what was really weird is I uh, is I think I had every reaction under the sun that you would imagine I had, mm-hmm. but I had a little bit extra. I had sort of a PTSD reaction because, like, a PTSD I was, reaction? PTSD. No, I can't wait to No, that's this. just me fucking up in the line, uh, letters. I had a sort of a PTSD reaction to this because I, it looked, it felt, it really felt a lot like, uh, like I was caught in what was called the dot-com boom. Yep. Uh, of the early, like uh, like the early two thousands there, I remember right. You know, so so what I saw this guy doing was exactly the spirit of what led to that whole dot com bust, that yep. whole boom and bust. Yep. This notion of having a website and a and a and a and a video and a, and a video and having that be enough to say that you have a company and your delivery that you're actually providing goods and services. And so yeah. and it's it just it's inevitable it's inevitable like shrink back. Like I got seriously sort of I, I, I consider myself seriously sort of fucked by over by that dot com bus when it happened. Um, and so it was just it was a little bit difficult to watch it for me because I was like, oh fuck, I know these people. I know that fucking guy. I've met him before. He screwed me over. Yeah. So it was it was it was a little interesting from that standpoint. But goddamn, everyone should watch that. Well, I mean, the that's old... what that's what that's what when 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 pushed to its extreme, I think that really is what the American dream is is become. Well, the parallel is I, I, they're getting a little fuzzier as I keep adding, like we add back and forth the the comparison. But I'm thinking of Amway too. 
Mm-hmm. It had like an Amway, if anyone remembers Amway yeah, product or yep. pyramid schemes. Sure. Or it has that quality that somebody, it's you fraud. keep looking to the person and thinking, well, wait a minute. They can't Nobody would actually be that crazy, so there must be something or, behind Or that this. criminal or that <laughs> right. fucking evil, right? Yeah, right, yeah. people get people getting away with it. I mean, for in a sense, I think our presidency... Our, our current president is where he is today because because during the election process nobody could believe this like no, nobody could take seriously the shit that he was getting away with yeah and and and, and likewise since nobody could believe it nobody knew what, what to do about it it's either. it is the sort of like a strong leader will do that there's there's a um uh Cairo Egypt is has this thing oh. going on right now sorry uh, uh, mm. i think it relates well in terms of like there's a leader where you can't say anything I mean, because they're so powerful. I not just in terms of like a tyrannical sort mm-hmm. of fashion, but like they're just so like they're so adamant that you're like, I'm but, but because <laughs> there are gonna be some summits in Cairo in about mm-hmm. two years, um, and the freeway and I forget what it's called. I forget the name of it, but there's a sort of like circular freeway. It's kind of an amazing engineering feat. Akbar that, freeway. That goes, yeah, right, exactly. Um that, <laughs> that that passes by all of like the downtown of Cairo. Mm-hmm. Um, the president started a project that he can't let go of now, and it's a project to repaint all the buildings in downtown Cairo. There's a problem. Cairo has immense sandstorms. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And so, but he's made it priority number one mm-hmm. beyond all other national Everyone, priorities. Everyone, you're going to be stucco. <laughs> and... Wow. Since it wasn't happening right away, he made a new decree, and that's a, everyone has to pay for their own paint job. Oh, my. So the whole city, it, there's going to be a revolution in Cairo, and it's going to be about... Paint <laughs> sand. Oh, wow. About paint samples. No. <laughs> Sherman Williams, unite! Wow. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. That's fucking awesome. You know, yeah. they should run like a big... Wow, just run a freeway right around the Sphinx. Mmm. Mm. Yeah. paint a little red nose on it. <laughs> just over on one of the, just over on one of the, you know, the just make I put an, a gigantic elf on a shelf on one of the pyramids. Whether it's the Egyptian version or the boxer, I always sort of pause when I say the name Sphinx, Sphinx or Sphinx. Do I say the P or just Sphinx? Sphinx. Sphinx. Not Sphinx. Not Sphincter. No. I have problems with that. We had a couple, an episode a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the Jose Ferrer movie. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember how to pronounce it. And so I faked my, I tried to fake my way into like, oh, I'm saying it the French way. And you just sort of paused and corrected me. And I thought, you know, we, I do that too often in life where it's like, I just should say, I don't remember how to pronounce it. Yeah, we should all do that. <laughs> or, or more to the point, I never heard that word pronounced. I've been doing it my own way. Which is also years. fine. I mean, it endears you to people when you actually admit that. Yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. one of those things where every once in a while, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you you will nod, sort of indicating that you read a book you didn't, or you fake your way through a pronunciation. pronunciation. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just a human folly. I guess. Oh, I remember the first time I did it was the most fucking humiliating. It was it. first off, it's in a humiliated set of circumstances to begin with. But uh, I was. <laughs> In high school, I played a lot of what we called Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. uh, and I had a uh, and we created characters uh, to play this one game. And I created one, and I had no idea. I'd read the word contralto somewhere, and I thought, well, I'm going to give my character a nice contralto voice. So he said it, and so I blah 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 in a contralto voice, and everyone went. That means a female's voice. The male, the character was male. Well, well, I didn't I mean, know what control so meant. I was just right. And well, it was humiliating at the time. I that's kind the of kind object of thing. To your being that's humiliated. the kind of thing that in high school is humiliating that later on you're like, oh, fuck yourself. Your binary assignment of humiliation really offends me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, sir, him, it. Are you an it? Is that what it is now? I've always been an it in your eyes, buddy. Uh, you want to talk a little uh, Elizabeth Taylor? Let's get on to it. Liz Taylor. Anyways. Liz motherfucking Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. The Elizabeth. She was born in England, right? But she she started acting there, but she came to the States. Tell me more, yeah. That's my understanding of it. Don't know too much more about her there. She is, I didn't realize that she was a child actor. 
somehow that escaped me utterly. Yeah, you know, I, I had forgotten then, about the first film, but she was also in like Lassie movies. Shit. I totally okay. forgot about that. I, don't know, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, even by the time she's like in, in 1950s Father of the Bride and mm-hmm. 1951's uh, Place in the Sun, which or, we covered or, with our friend Doug Cox. She was like eight, Hello? She was like 18, 19, maybe yeah. in those movies. Right. Right? So it's like... I guess I should not have been as surprised as I was. It was there's, a little surprise. There's, there's some surprising aspects about her age that I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, kind of disturbing ones. A few, for sure. I know more about like the... 1950 and beyond Elizabeth Taylor. So yes. that's interesting that she was. A, I didn't know that she was a. Well, I know that, that she, I, yeah. knowing that. That's why I was not aware that she was a child. I didn't realize yeah. the, the breadth, how long she had actually been in. I guess it makes her love of Michael Jackson makes a little bit more sense in that sense. Uh, Are you that doing he, a he little leaving a Neverland humor, my friend? No, I no, but I'll tell you one thing. Okay, is but, this observational humor again? What? A, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, it'd be crazy about Michael Jackson, Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor. Never molest a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you ever stop when you're in the middle of molesting a kid and go, "Wow, would Elizabeth Taylor do this?" I have that on my. I have a no. Um, I don't know. It, it, some, this 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 the, Elizabeth Taylor brought out some really interesting things for me this time around. One you thing mean, I you have, mean in the the child actress or the, well the child actress and and the the movies that she's in here. Yeah, First yeah. Of, I don't know that we have ever taken like an actor picked two movies and been more far apart. Yeah. In the I'm going to agree with you. The the I'm going to agree with I you. I don't know that we've ever managed it. We've tried. I but think that's not couple. us. That's her. That's her. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So, do you want to start with? Let's start with uh, 1944's National, National Velvet. Velvet. You'll notice I know the year on that one. I almost never do. Yeah. On these movies, anyways, National Velvet. Holy shit. Yeah, National Velvet's a strange movie because nope. it I don't want to. I don't want a good like bad it. movie. Yeah, <laughs> it really, it has this quality of like there's something about um, I guess 40s, 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. and I guess early 50s British movie making. Mm-hmm. And this is made by a British studio. Yeah, there's something about them that is innocent. There's an innocence that like my American brain can't kind of can't really. Yeah. I can't. I can't credit it. Well, it's like if you look at like Miss. I'm thinking of the movies like Mrs. Miniver. Yes, right. right. It has that quality too. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, a, and even to some degree, There's a movie a we did recently, The Quiet Man, which was not about family mm. exactly, but it's it's a family. It's like really wanting to examine how how the family deals with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this movie is no exception. No, yeah. Well. But yeah. Wow. Okay. So so but like I said, there's this crazy sort of innocence going on in this thing that make the the, the in, in in effect. They get away with some stuff that uh, my American ear has a hard time with. Like, why are you like naming your daughter Velvet? Like, her There's character's that, name sure. is Velvet. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a couple of other sisters. I think there was uh, Crotch Sweat and, uh, and, and you know what I'm just <laughs> fucking, like, good. where are you coming up with that name? Who names her child fucking Velvet? Well, they they anticipated her um, having feelings for a young man, and then they could say that she was crushed Velvet. Or falling under a horse, which he'd also be crushed on. Yeah, sure. That would have made much That was sense. better, yeah. Sorry. In the context of this movie. We went a long way to get there, sorry. You surely did. All right. Um, but, so, so, go ahead. Okay. I mean, the story is pretty straightforward. Well, first of all, I should say this. it's it's She gets like third billing, but only because she's not a, a, a known she's a child, child. quantity, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, it, This uh, is one of her first movies, I think. Yeah, it's like the her four. She's done a Lassie yeah. movie and something mm-hmm. else. But, um, uh, Mickey Rooney, who had been famous for mm, not ten years, maybe seven years, Boys Town movies yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Donald Crisp, a classic English actor. So she gets yeah. third billing behind them. But there's right. no reason why she couldn't have gotten first billing. No, not really. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she definitely. Would you say? She, I would say I feel very comfortable in saying she really ruled this. She ruled the. She ruled the cla- the cast almost. Well, the being, character I think her, char- her character is super strong. I think the only character yeah. in it who's stronger, besides the horse, is the, is the mom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I mean, it's even even that's arguable, right? Right. Um, yeah, I would say it's a, that she's the centerpiece of this film, and even Mickey Rooney, um, who had star power at the time and who has a big role in the film, mm-hmm. still supports her. Yeah, he's definitely uh, a the secondary character. Supports character. her character, right. and the dad is another character in this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Is basically. 
like I, they reached, they, they like opened up a like a closet mm-hmm. marked British stereotypes, and they just like sort of swung a bat in there well, until Donald, they grabbed something yeah. and they pulled him out. Donald Crisp has he was kind of awesome. Always classically that that sort of particular role of yeah. like the understanding father, and in fact, the mother, by the way, has been um, a mother uh, in some really interesting things, like um, Gentleman's Agreement with mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Gregory Peck. She's always been the, the understanding mother role. So yeah. both of them are typecast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, and surprisingly, Mrs. Uh, holy shit, uh, she has. What looked, did she write? She, she's thirty-five. She's looked thirty-five since she was eighteen. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been right about that all it along. Was she wrote. Angela Lansbury yeah. is in uh-huh. this. looking is playing uh, playing uh, an older sister, but, yeah. but but she looks just. She's always looked older than than that. She kind of. I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm so anxious to say this. The 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 difference the sixteen year difference between National Velvet and the second film we're going to talk about, which I won't name, but also the seventeen year difference between National Velvet and Angela Lansbury, or maybe seventeen or eighteen years between this movie and Angela Lansbury in uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Candidate. Like, what happened to those years? Were they condensed by time for all of us? Because this doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. Okay. So but she's been she's one of those strange women who's always look older. I guess she, she always kind of has looked older than she really is. Right. Well, she's an old bag. God bless her. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so okay. So. Uh, 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 and hmm, Go ahead. Liz Taylor plays yeah. uh, Velvet Brown. Velvet Brown. Uh, she is um she is like horse crazy to the point of like near down syndrome. Like she is yeah. like she's obsessive about that's, horses. Well, I would say autis- autism. Autism. Okay, yeah, that's clear, actually much yeah. better. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's better. She has it's an not as much fun. sense of horse. Just like cuz down she to punch the horse, but you're right, not. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, she her, her uh yeah, she is all she is definitely spectrum and it's all about horses for her. I met yes. a lot of little girls who like horses. Sure. Little boys for that matter. Not I, as many. Non-binary. We're it's always, the it's, it's a pretty much skews to the female on this one, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, uh, this this little girl is fucking bananas for horses. Mm-hmm. One in particular. Well, it's not... Actually, I mean, it, she comes to love this one horse. Mm-hmm. Um, but she loves horses in general. The only reason she loves this horse is it shows itself as a sort of underdog, right? So yeah. it's like this horse has been shown around town as one that can't be tamed. Right. It's a, it's a menace. Shadowing in fact, anyone? a little bit of a menace, in fact. Yeah. Um, it's and she, she, yeah, right. Exactly. And, and because it can't be tamed, finally... The, the, it reminds her of her. She, Yeah, she does. She, her, untamed, her untamed... Well, she's Velveteen very Well, hold on. What are you saying? She's, she herself is... is but a, she still dreams big, Joe. <laughs> Okay. She still dreams big, and then she's allowed to have those dreams okay, all right. because it's a British fucking movie. So, so because the horse is such a menace, um, the police finally sort of um, push the horse into like a an auction. Like, yeah, the, the next farmer's step, just like, I can't keep paying this bills. Is, next step is glue for this motherfucker, or yeah. the police force it into yeah, like a one shilling auction. So the whole town has some sort of auction. Whatever a shilling is, who the fuck knows what that is? I don't know. I think it's like I think like cut the gnome, cut like a gnome's toe off or something. Mm. That's a shilling. Mm. So the whole town has an auction, and she loses. Right, but in a horrible sort of preface to pay it forward. The town brings the horse to her anyway. Because really, it was a fucking shilling, kid. Have a goddamn horse. This is why we need to uh, don't vote for Bernie Sanders. This kind of socialism, by the way, is (laughs) (laughs) I can't from each according to his need to each according to his crazy fucking horse. Okay, so so she gets the horse. The horse is named. No, by the way, we 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 need to sort of back out because I'll I'll let you have the name. But but um, Mickey Rooney has has made him <laughs> way. Mickey Rooney, yes. Well, there's no. I mean, the I thing is, he's kind of a cool. He's an interesting character, I think. Actually. I think Mickey Rooney is an underrated actor. I mean, oh. even after, even beyond Breakfast at Tiffany's, he's he's a quite a fine <laughs> character actor. He was never that good. It, fair enough. Before sets, but but the film. It's, he's always been a decent. The thing is about actor. this film is is for. About 75% of my mixed feelings about the film are about the characters. I keep mm. saying characters when I'm looking at this film rather than the actors. Yeah. Because he himself, like, I don't quite, Mickey Rooney does a fine job, but I don't quite understand this character who's wandering around the English countryside. Stocky lad. Somehow gets picked up by... Um, was crushed. <laughs> by Velvet, um, who brings him home. Yes. He becomes, the mother uh, yep. intuits 
It gets fucking. That we, it we, gets get, very we get knowledge weird. later on about why the mother's so so um, hospitable yeah, to, the, to, to Mickey to, Rooney, yeah. but it's it's bizarre when we do learn it, and then beforehand we're unsure why the family takes him on, especially since the father is so fatherly. You think they're just trying to fuck with dad? I mean, it might almost it might almost have been that <laughs> as much as anything else. Like, you know the family because he's such a pompous English yeah. douche nozzle that you know the family like half of the like a third of the humor of the movie is taking the piss out of him for that. And uh, watching yeah, him you take are the kind piss of out of himself. On the side of the and he does, yeah. The, yeah he's you know, he's like, self. We do not feed the dog from the table that might make him into a beggar and then cut to him seven minutes later feeding dog the dog. And getting berated table. by the family for doing right. so. Yeah, no, because I just wanted I wanted to introduce that. So so then we go back to like but he, he's an interesting character so okay yeah. so i want to talk about mickey Rooney's character just Please. a little bit more yeah, so he is uh an ex-jockey who like in any good this is a sports movie by the way folks so don't expect too much this movie. basically is a, this is the this is the <laughs> pattern of a sports of kings, movie yes. right in the oh god damn it in the world's most atrocious anyways uh it's a fucking horse yeah. atrocity yeah. um but he had been uh been a jockey and uh he had uh accidentally killed somebody in a pileup and so he was dealing with horrible PTSD well, he didn't not, want to get not, back into horses by the way it's that's that's not revealed to, to the end <laughs> yeah, right i mean much first later it's just like he that. fell off a horse or he's skittish Before about that, horses he's just also he's just kind of a bitter youth for some do you remember reason. by the way side note do you remember the twilight zone episode with mickey rooney as the the jockey no he's the jockey I and don't. he he drinks a lot so they stop calling him for jockey work mm-hmm. and he's living in like a ymca you know terrible room and finally you mean how i'm gonna end right and he gets a he gets a sort of twilight zone is like magic wish uh. and he's like i want to be big and he, he becomes like audrey the giant size and then he gets a phone call to, to work <laughs> sorry go ahead uh, damn you Ron Sterling. <laughs> i want to be you to hell. all right so go ahead um where was i Shit. You were talking about Mickey Rooney. Oh yeah, so yeah. he's so he's he's got this this world weary bitterness that just simply doesn't fit Mickey Rooney at all. Well, he just, he and just, also he, 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 he never looks old he, enough. Even yeah. when he was ninety, he looked like a kid. So when he's he's world weary, it's kind of weird. Like, what are you talking about, kid? Yeah, you know, kid. Fuck Why off, you kid. Fuck off, kid. And then you yeah. punch him right in the fucking do dance. Yeah, it's sort of like you know Brad Williams, the comedian, the dwarf comedian. <laughs> He's hilarious and you he's mean smart. The little person, comedian. but sometimes it is hard to take him seriously, which yeah. is kind of helps him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. When he takes advantage of. Um, so I guess that's it. And then so she, yeah, so she. Uh, she gets so a horse. Velvet the horse's is, name is. The horse's name is uh, Pie. No, it's the Pie. The Pie. Because it's, he, it's his short previous for owner. The piebald. No, it's actually short for the pirate. Shut up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In the book, they call. Uh, I thought it was because it was a piebald horse. No, in the I don't book, know what that in the is, book, the, the owner calls him a piebald, but the, but in the movie, the the previous owner calls him who can't uh, keep control of him, calls him the pirate. Uh, it doesn't. Who gives a shit? She calls him the pie. Hey, no, it's a major plot point right yeah, there. I'm right, you're wrong. Anyways, uh, so she, um, yeah, so she she adopts the pie and the pie. She loves the pie all out of proportion. But wait, I think it, now, it's, now it's time to start to stop and talk about her. Yes, because the thing about autistic horse girl. Well, the way that here's the 25 percent of of the actors now. The way Elizabeth um, Taylor plays. This role, first of all, she has the tenor of Glenda the Good Witch of the North. <laughs> she has a very strange sort of spacey quality that yes. is a little bit kind of... You worry about her. Well, I like it. Are you, It's terrible, but it's sort of attractive. In a, I don't mean yeah. it's sexually attractive, but like attractive but, as know. a character. <laughs> right. um, no, yeah, no you're learned. right. No, no, she manages to make it compelling. I don't know and how, because it's terrible. I think that's a quality, of, think that's a quality <laughs> of her, the actress. I, I guess think, so. I think that's an early manifestation oh, but of what becomes... Can, you know, pie is a good horse. Oh, my God. It's so fucking awful. <laughs> it's terrible. You just, you just want to pull all the teeth out of your head. It's so fucking sweet and, and, and syrupy, but mm-hmm. she manages to make it somehow bearable. I don't know. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. And I think that really is... Like an early manifestation of the star quality that she brings to later roles, that that yep. is undefuckingable when you watch her. Absolutely. And and her so the mother, by the way, um, meanwhile has this backstory where she was the first woman to swim the English Channel. Right. Right. And, and those said, and the people said she, it couldn't be done by a woman. You know, and now she's she's a, a butcher's wife, and that's in the past. But she has this one thing to cling on to in life is that yeah. she did this thing. She's got this fucking memory, and so she has an mm-hmm. appreciation for that kind of. Yeah. 
dream, yeah. which her daughter now has, which is to enter this horse in the ultimate uh, torture a horse event. Whatever, the <laughs> English ever. version of the Kentucky Derby. Like, it's the no, it's horse not even, race. It's, it's steeplechasing racing. I don't know what it's that is. It's not regular racing. It's not, it's not just running around a track. It's like running around a track with, like, things that'll kill your horse uh, along the way. Oh, that that's what that is. Oh, over. right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a steeplechasing. So it's mm. crazy. Anyway, so Vel, uh, so Vel that decided. Did you say so Vel? Are you I did. Familiar? Vel, my, my, my home girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she decided. To, she decided to get her horse into the national derby. I guess it's. I don't remember yep. what it's called. But anyways, the the, the greatest of all horse races, mm-hmm. and it's a huge underdog, and it's a it's a sports movie. So guess what happens in the end, Bloody Paul? Well, yeah, but it's also like in a nod to. I mean, it's like a for a pioneer, like a <laughs> forefather uh, movie to um, a gr- the great eighties classic. One of the guys. She disguises herself. <laughs> As a male jockey, I think it's an important plot point. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and then that's why Jack Lemmon turned down the role. The film ends with the horse going to the uh, glue factory. It's I, I thought that was great. Well, it was going to go eventually at at some point. Yeah, yeah it's when it's when it's she, the back of many she stamps. She kicked it in the ass on yeah. the way into the glue factory. No, of course the fucking pie uh, goes out and uh, lives a wonderful life of mm. a Pegasus and blah blah and everything. <laughs> blah. It's just that way. Boom. Boom. By the way, that's our new catchphrase. I realized I have been sitting on our fucking catchphrase this whole point. Is it boom? Boom. Mm, okay. That's good stuff. Anyway, so that's the first movie. Elizabeth Taylor in National Velvet. Yeah. I what mean, do you think? Uh, I, I actually enjoyed it. I could definitely go the rest of my life without ever seeing it again. <laughs> but I enjoyed it in the same way I did with Mrs. Miniver. It was just sort of like, um, it was pleasant. Mm-hmm. I, I rooted for the right people. I was... Engaged by Elizabeth Taylor, even I, though there's no reason to be. I think that's logically. I, think, I just want to point out. I think that. I think that this is movie making where the point is to make you root for the right person, and then mm-hmm. that is that's what this movie was trying to do, yeah. and I think it succeeded freaking admirably in that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's fine. It's, it's a fine, movie. competent movie making yep. of a type that I don't know that I would recommend this to any adult that I know. But if I knew adults yep. who had kids. Uh, and they and they watch movies with those kids. What a horrible mistake that is! Yeah. Then you, go ahead and watch this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. Good movie. Fine. Good movie. Fine flick. Yeah. Now, just transitioning, just very slightly in her um, yeah uh, role taking, we we moved to nineteen sixties Butterfield. Butter my field eight. Butterfield. Eight. Now the thing before we should say this. Now here's all this distance, right? So I mentioned like Father of the Bride in nineteen fifty, nineteen fifty one's a Raisin mm-hmm. in the Sun. Yeah. Um, Raintree County. Now, by the way, we should say this about National Velvet. She broke her back during the filming of National I Velvet, was... and had and had horrible back pain all the way through no Raintree shit. County, which was like ten years, twelve years later. Really, where she actually had her back, like some discs removed and replaced, and so forth. So she was in terrible pain. You never would have known it. Fuck. Um, but yeah, so it's like she's done like Raintree County. She's done like Giant with Rock Hudson yeah, and, yeah. and James Dean. She's actually done uh, uh, not suddenly last summer, I think, with with Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, in fifty nine. So she's she's done some serious acting. She's actually she's, sort of she's passed Cat on a Hot Tin Roof already. Right? Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So she's she's she's, she's legit, legit actress. But by nineteen sixty, when she does the film we're talking about, she's twenty eight years old. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just want to put this in perspective because I know we're going to talk about this film later on, so I don't want to give too much away. She was 34 when she did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? <laughs> That's up. crazy. Shut up. That is well, insanity. Well, she's one of, she's, I think she's one of the great women of Hollywood who fucking lived the life of a woman of Hollywood. There's well, no doubt about The problem with, with her is that she's done so much... She's sort of done the Michael Caine stuff in terms of like good film, bad film, yeah. but she's also been kind of a kook in real life, right. and so I think it diminishes our sense of what a good actress she really is. Right, and in she's 19- a good actress. In nineteen sixties, um, she proves it. Butterfield Eight. I think she is a great actress, and you know she got the Academy Award for this in sixty one, and a lot of people felt because right after this film. She got pneumonia so bad she had to have a tracheotomy. Wow. I did not know that, and it doesn't show. Wow. Um, but um, <laughs> she... Was that? You're going to leave that in? Hello, everybody. No, no, but I would assume there'd be some Liz Taylor scars or something. But, mm. but um, I mean, I don't know anything about medicine. Yeah, but so eventually, obviously. the jails wipe those out. 
Richard Burton used to pour whiskey down it and then collect it <laughs> on the other side. I don't know. So, so, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people felt like, oh, she got the sympathy so vote. But I don't know that she did get the sympathy vote because yeah. if I think about like Shirley McLean Shirley at the apartment or mm-hmm. maybe Gene Simmons and Elmer Gantry, they might give her her run for her money, but she is a. She's clearly. She's very good in this yeah. film. Yeah. She's. I wouldn't put her like there's. I think uh, you know I've come away with like sort of a top three actress sort of a category. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she's quite up there yet, but she's pretty fucking close. And she's more got to the point. She's more as far as being an actress, she's very yeah. competent. But she's what she is is a movie star. She's there's that, a difference. Like, I mean, she's got that glowy. She's got that presence. That's something that, that a actually eats up. One of the top three, I'll bet for you and for me, and who who was so great as an actress, but did not necessarily have it. So actually, what kind of she struggled with was Betty Davis. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? No, yeah. No. Betty Davis is a tremendous actress, but doesn't have this like no. Hollywood built into her. No, she doesn't. Yeah. Liz Taylor, totally there. She's got that. She's got that presence that just draws a camera to her. So now she's that being said, this okay. So this is a movie. So she also goes by. <laughs> I can't believe I that was pretty that. good. Those are words that came out of my fucking mouth. <laughs> this is a movie. That's true. It's a. That's a thing with that movie. It's <laughs> kind of movie. Was on a, it. You think it was going to hand you a Shut package up. and you spread it on your pancakes? Mm, oh. Butterfield made. Um, I'll do that. Mm, I'll spread that on my purse. Seven, eight, nine. Oh, Michael, what are you doing in that? I don't know. I'm going to nail <laughs> So, but it's worth also noting that she, that the lead up to her making this movie is mm-hmm. her own just like shitstorm of tragedy. I mean, she's been through like three marriages in the fifties, oh. and like you know, her one before this was a pilot. Who, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, it was um. Uh, Todd, uh, I forget, but a famous man basically who uh, who died in a, a plane crash. Right, right, right. She had a, one of the Hiltons at, at one point. Not Ooh, Connor. Paris? So anyway, so sick. she goes into this having ha- ha- married and had an affair with um, uh, Eddie Fisher, who plays the third billing of this. Right, right, right. I think it's important for this reason because uh, I'm going to jump ahead before you lay out the plot to say this. In the movie, Please. Eddie Fisher has a girlfriend, mm-hmm. this blonde girlfriend, right? Yeah. Weird casting because that blonde girlfriend of Eddie Fisher is not too unlike Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> if you think about it. Okay. Debbie Reynolds, who Eddie Fisher left the year before this film because he was having an affair with Elizabeth Taylor. Right, 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 right. And Interesting. Then, okay. But then in a weird cuck at 180. Uh-huh. Cuck 180. Cuck, come to, come to, come to, on, AM radio. <laughs> and a cuck 180. Pew, pew, pew. Welcome to the morning zoo. Eddie Fisher. <laughs> sorry. Eddie Fisher then now plays third billing in a role where he pines <coughs> for, for Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor, Taylor, who doesn't give him the time of day. Right. All right. I just wanted to establish all of that first. <laughs> or doesn't. Or doesn't. And here's what I'm going to say. One of the things I think that's interesting about this movie yep. is how deliberately complicated they try to make every one of the fucking characters. I don't mind it, though. Do you not? I kind of did. Do, i got to be honest. Do I you not? <laughs> do you not? Because I did a little. Well, putting her aside, it, it I mean, she has like the, to be complicated. And so does right. Lawrence Harvey. Lawrence they, Harvey. They have to be complicated. Right. It just seems like kind of a lot of sloppy Freudianism going around. Ah, the thing is, I feel like I've I've dated this woman twice. Mm. I've oh, yeah, okay, shall yeah, we I say I see that? Yeah, I've been that I've been. Yeah, okay. So you're picturing I me more, that. right? Yeah, okay. Um, uh, so I've been Lawrence Harvey-ish in a way, but I've also we've all been also Eddie Fisher in a way, right? Which is like the good friend, yeah, the, the woman guy, you're actually in love with. Yeah, the gay guy at the uh, dance, on the dance But you floor. know what I mean. Yeah, I, mean, I know what but, you mean. Yeah, yeah. No. So I think... Friend zone. I, so, so what I'm getting at is when you mentioned how intentional and, and sort of like obvious and ham-fisted their complication is... Yeah, but I mean, it's it's trying to play to this common experience in a way. Well, it's kind of. It, 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 I think it's also sort My of playing to the time period when it was coming out, when this was considered very avant-garde. I mean, this was like the yeah. this was like the um, was it the midnight or you know of its time. Yeah, it opened in a moonlight. Sense, it was, you mean. Moonlight, yeah, and, yeah. And then it was like trying to break open some barriers. Well, it the, opens the, up the, with the, Elizabeth the, Taylor waking up in bed and calling for someone who you soon recognize through very tricky sort of camera work. Is not her husband or even her boyfriend. Right. And then at some point in the movie, she talks about being raped. I mean, that must have been like crazy at the time period when it came out. Yeah. You know, so 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 it had that quality. And so so this is, the thing about this movie is I have to credit it. And I don't credit, like like I said, the, over-complica- the overcomplication of the characters, I thought, was a problem of the writing, but not of the acting. I thought the acting was actually pretty well done to sort of make it work. 
Well, the other thing is too, like I, I yes, and I'm not a huge fan of Lawrence Harvey, but I think even he did a pretty damn good job. In and this. It, as an addition to your comments, I think that um, a third element that comes in is is what it makes out of New York City at a particular place. And and I would say the only other movie from the '50s that makes such a great sort of handshake with New York City as a background mm. is Sweet Smell of Success. Okay, and very in a very you, different yeah, way, no, but. Yeah. But but they both sort of really introduce it as a character. But you, but okay, so and I think one of I, I, this movie is a little problematic for me, and I'm always gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep coming back to that just mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Like for instance, if they had been able to really go at this thing mm-hmm. with an uh, with an objective standpoint, yeah. and let her just be what the character that she was, yeah. instead of having to try to manipulate it to get the good Catholic Christian, you know, uh, white woman ethic, yeah. have it prove triumphant in the end, yeah. which of course they fucking had to do at the time period, which, which it, it bugs me. Well, if they had been able to get away with that, like yeah. it just made her character be that complicated character. That'd have been fantastic. That'd have been wonderful, but they got to slut shame everything in the end. Well, I think it's also a movie that could suffer greatly over time. Um, but yeah. she's so good in it that right. you start like exactly. you start ignoring the stuff you feel to be true. Meaning, like the the premise of the film is basically that she's a call girl, right? Mm-hmm. And and she's a sort of call girl, party girl, um, quasi model. Yeah. Um, in New York City in the late 1950s, that sort of era. She's a call girl with a lot of fiction going on around. For it. sure. I mean, the thing is, it, it did make me think of of um, Hollywood lately, and and how mm-hmm. they're very different films, different versions of that call girl. Like, right. Right. Like uh, Audrey Hepburn is is um, very positive and light and all light and air. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that movie, even though it's a bad adaptation, I realize, of the book, is that it makes, it sort of flips this dark side to her. Mm-hmm. But but Elizabeth Taylor is all dark, all side, dark side with yeah. your maybe hoping that there's some sort of redemption. And that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. Because as I watch it, and I don't just mean like, like 2019 PC, I just mean as myself, as yeah. a human being. When I watch it, I go like, the, I don't really. There's no premise to think like she's an awful person. No, <laughs> well, make any sense to me she, at all. She's a, she, she's rude and she's not thinking, but only yep. as a, a function of how people treat of her. Survival. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's being exactly as good as she's being allowed. She's to basically be. a woman who sleeps. Who who, who likes sleeps, to fuck. Who, but wait, wait, I've never understood why that was a problem, folks. Yeah, but it's not. It's not just that. It's, no, yeah. It's that whether she does or doesn't is even arguable. Mm-hmm. It's that she navigates that appeal about herself yep. through this world, and it's like, of course, all the men <clears throat> who can afford her, so to speak, love it until. And it's just. It's almost like at a certain point, like Lawrence Harvey and the people who feel like kind of betrayed or like cynical because of her. I sort of feel like I recognize an emotion. But I recognize that it's a fourteen-year-old who yeah. was like, "Like, what are you doc- doing talking to my girl?" Uh-huh. Like, it's like, Ugh, it was yes. weird. Yeah, but yeah, but, she, but she, here's she, the thing: yeah, order- she manages to like all the, all the guys around her look look like kids. But but you know, like and her they, mother, her mother suffers for it. Like her mother doesn't want to hear. Ugh. And and but and and um, Eddie Fish's girlfriend all but calls her a whore. All a rule. That's kind of my favorite. That's kind of my favorite. Uh, my favorite relationship in the whole movie. And, and and so all of what we said makes you want to would would you would think make you want to say like, oh fuck this movie. But you just sort no. of like go with it. You're like, let me just accept this premise of her awfulness. Just so I can like yeah. be along for the ride, right? Because she's so it's the conflict turns out to be so dramatic gonna, if you're willing to put yourself away. Well, it's impossible to think like as any kind of a modern. I think even as a th- I want to, all right, I want to say as a thinking person, it's impossible to not look at her character and watch watch it with the sense of well, at least I'm on her fucking side because nobody else is. Well, on her Certainly side, in the, the truest way of being That's on I mean, her side, yeah. and here's what I mean by that. Sometimes she's a douche. She's an asshole. For sure she's, she's sometimes. an asshole, but I'm an asshole too sometimes, and everybody else is too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not you. Here's no, where you're, where fucking, you're divide. Yours people. is a gentle soul, <laughs> sir. You dickbag. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, and okay, so let's talk about Lawrence Harvey for a minute. All right. So he's he's the married sort of executive, married I into exactly money. Exactly from entering candidate, and that's it. I don't know if I've ever seen him in another movie. He actually, um, I think I have my trivia right. In 1967, the director of National Velvet 
um, had to go in the hospital when he was making a film, and Lawrence Harvey, as a personal friend, took over for him. Fuck off. Six degrees of separation. Wow. Folks. Okay. All right. Or I made that up. One or the other. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, so I mean. Actually, he was, he was the back half of the horse during the racing scene. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, Lawrence Harvey is, I, I think the whole point of Lawrence Harvey is, as an actor He's is that. He's fucker. He's prickly, and you're supposed to like him. You're supposed to want to like the person inside the prickly bush. I find him to be the kindest, gentlest, warmest, most wonderful <laughs> human being I've ever met. Sorry, sorry, mm. sorry. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, By the way, side note, side note, sorry, I had a total diversion here. Do you think that's where the song Playing with the Queen of Hearts came from? Playing with the Queen. Is it a reference to Manchurian Canada? It's too deep. It's too All fucking right. deep for All the people right. who read that go ahead, song. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Um, um, no um, where was, oh, no. I, yeah, but I'm going to agree with you. Like, again, he has a quality of prickliness to him. Um, but, yeah, but so so does it work for you? It does because I think. I find him sympathetic. I, I find Mostly him weirdly sympathetic as really, well. Until he's really douchey. I mean, then, I, then I'm like off the train altogether. That's kind of the issue here is that despite the, the big conversation we just had about like the people who are shitty to her, I kind of like, I'm rooting for everyone in this film. I'm yeah. rooting for the mother in a weird way. Right. I'm rooting for the neighbor who's I'm a complete rooting, cunt. I'm rooting for his wife. Yes. Honey child, go get another marriage. Mm-hmm. Just get get rid of this guy. Just knock him off your boots, girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, her mother all but says that, right? Yeah. That's God that was my least favorite scene, by the way. The mother comes in and tries to convince Lawrence Harvey's oh. wife to get a divorce because everyone but knows that's he's not a what a wife does. Oh, and the mother's like turned like, I wish I had your courage. Oh. Shut up, everyone. But that's what I'm talking about. There's a, there's that there's that apologetic. There's this uh, there's apologia going on at the same time that the movie apologia. is being. I like I, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, the movie is trying to get across its central premise. It always has to sort of apologize for what mm, it's saying. It's a rush album. To apologia. The on time. I've been working on that for like shit. eight seconds. That was well done. Joe. Thanks. Good. Wonderful. Wow. Didn't derail anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine's so eyes anyway. just went. <laughs> We're talking about Cleopatra. Um, no, um, yeah. Okay. Go on. Sorry, so I, I interrupted you several times and I have nothing. I apologize. Yeah, well, that's why. <laughs> so anyway, I think it's, it's the magic of the podcast. I can podcast. see why she got uh, why she got the uh, best the actress. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a great movie. Now let me ask you this: Do you think it's the act? Do you think it's the the role she should have gotten it for? Oh, should she have gotten the Academy? Well, she also got it for um, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, okay. So, so there's no competition there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, I mean, Cleopatra. Yeah. Um, her 50s roles. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I would say so. And I, I say nerd, pardon my language, to all those people who feel that she got a, a sympathy vote for her uh, tricky out of me. Yeah, I don't buy that. I mean, it's such it's, it's such a strong enough role that I don't necessarily buy that. Of course, it would be interesting to see what else would, was on for Gene that Gene Simmons, year. by the way, in comparison, not only at that the same fucking, year. She moved on to Kiss. It was something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she not only was in Elmer Gantry, but that same year she was in Spartacus. Yes, that's right. So... God damn, she looked good in both of those movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are you the Gene Simmons Elma Gantry or Gene Simmons uh, Spartacus? It's the same guy. woman. I'm sorry, I got nothing uh, either way. A little different context. I mean, well, who would I you date? The, the bush is definitely bigger in. Uh, oh, uh, man. What? Oh, these things play into to it. Bring my this down to the oh, gutter. Sorry, bring, bring, bring my section. Bring my, nah, bring my libido in down to the gutter where it belongs, Joe. Sorry. Hmm. Um, oh, shoot. You lost? Shut up! You asked the question. <laughs> so now we get put on some really good fucking radio here. <laughs> I'm really you're episodical. I'm really look, trying to look through this here. Uh, yeah, Spartacus. Okay, she's yeah, but that's just because I think they use a little more uh, a little more Vaseline on the lens in Spartacus. Mm, okay. and I like a little good. I like a, a good a well Vaseline lens, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, Tommy, do you have anything way. to plug, my friend? A, a well Vaseline lens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, check me out, uh, tomsmithcomedy.com. Also, hey, please join us on Patreon at finleysonfilm.com, uh, at Patreon. And also, uh, drop us a line. We'd like to hear some some nice communication from you, Nudge Nick. Please, hey, boy, boy chick, talk to you. <laughs> talk to us. Yeah, Joe, what do you got? No, that's it. Um... <laughs> Come on, Joe. You know you want to say Oh, uh, you said iTunes? Welcome to... What? Did you say iTunes? I did not say iTunes. Please, talk about iTunes. All right, buddy. Welcome to... Come to Neverland.